This week on Upstream, we discuss deconstructionism, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, and the progressive movement. We're excited to be back together for Upstream. We want to uh, welcome you if you're joining online for Community at Coast, a little bit different today. Um, so we're going to be doing a shortened version of Upstream. Uh, if you're familiar with Upstream, it's great to be back with you guys. If this is your first time, uh, Upstream is really just a spiritual conversation where we talk about everything from uh, Bible questions to things of the faith. And uh, we try to answer any questions that are sent in. So we have some, uh, we have some winners today. Sherry is super excited about you've, it. You've, you forgot the number. I, I'm not there yet. Oh, but okay. I, anyway, if you have questions, you can send those in. Sherry's ready to roll tonight. She, yeah, Sherry is ready. Yeah, she's ready. Uh, you can send those in to 949-301-7300, and we would love to answer them. Or you can email them to connect at coasthillschurch.org. Uh, and the next time that we are doing Upstream, we'll try to take some time and answer it. You know, we do have some great questions. Yeah. Um, and I think it'd be uh, good if we just open in a word of prayer yep. and uh, just ask the Lord to give us wisdom. Zach, you want to take it? Yeah. Lord, we're so uh, thankful that we can be together tonight and that we can be in your word. And uh, God, there are many things of faith that are being challenged in our world today. And that's not anything that's new. And Lord, you promised that you've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so I just pray for this time. Lord, would you uh, guide the conversation? Spirit, would you move in our midst and would you use it for your glory? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, uh, this first question that we have uh, came in, how should we as the church be responding to those who are deconstructing their faith? And maybe if one of you wants to uh, elaborate a little bit on what that even means for people who aren't familiar with uh, deconstructionism or that thought of deconstructing your faith. I'm taking question two, so you go for it. <laughs> um, nice. In, how kind of you. Uh, in general, it's a term simply that means, I suppose it is hard, questioning. It's uh, the process that uh, a person has gone through to question their faith. The, the term has come to mean those who have questioned their faith and continued down that path to the, to the point where they reject their faith. So we have lots of examples in our culture of, of Christian, I shouldn't say lots, we have some examples in our, in our Christian world of some leaders who have, have gone down that path, questioning some things, got more serious about their questions and ended up walking away from their faith. Yeah, and it finally, it finally has a term. And I think it's important to say that because Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 24, that the hearts of many will grow cold. And he was speaking about the latter times and asking a question of the disciples. And now it has a term attached to what Jesus said would happen. They're deconstructing their faith and um, walking away from the faith. I was introduced to this term. I never knew the term until a couple of months ago um, from uh, some dear friends whose children, he, their pastor, he was a pastor, um, served the Lord at the mission field many years, and their children are deconstructing is what uh, the response was. And just see the brokenheartedness and I think it resonates with a lot of Christian families. Um, they, as we send our kids off to um, some 
public and private universities that are bent on deconstructing uh, Christianity. It's funny too, right? They uh, don't really care about Hinduism and uh, other forms of faith, but it okay. seems that Christianity is the target. Jesus made it very clear. Um, listen to this, and Sherry, I don't know what you would say. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. Um, so the Spirit made it very clear to Paul deconstruction was going to be a part of our end times uh, experience. Acknowledging that it's a part, um, we, we need to go to the next step. Mm-hmm. And, and the question says, how should the church respond? And uh, I think, I think uh, among the things that we could say is, we uh, as, a, as a group of believers should not be afraid of hard questions. This should be a safe place. Yeah. We, should, we should be able both individually and in, in our small groups of church uh, to acknowledge that doubt and questions are not dirty words. That, that, you know, we should acknowledge that some issues are difficult. They are hard to resolve. There are a number of things in the scripture where I go, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one. Um, and thoughtful discussions. Sure, there's things in the scripture many, that you many, don't have many, the answer many, to? Many, many, I'm overwhelmed um, right now. But at any rate, my point being that people should be able to come through the doors of the church so to speak, and find people who will say, you know, that's a good question. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's get into it. Let's consider it. Because if we, if we go through our Bible, we're going to find people who question their faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going we're gonna to see David all over it in Psalm 13. He is definitely discouraged and questioning. And in fact, in the middle of that Psalm, he says, Lord, give light to my eyes. I, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Fill in the blank for me. And, and you certainly can't get through the book of Habakkuk without understanding you know, the fact that the hard questions get asked by Christians. He asks, why do you tolerate wrong? Which is really one of the more basic questions that start the deconstruction. They look at something bad in the world and they say, well, if there, was a loving, yeah, yeah. if there was a loving good God, why did, why did he let this happen? And that's exactly what Habakkuk asked. Yeah. So, so we need to be a place where, where we can look them in the eye. We don't look at the ground. We don't, we don't you know, dodge and weave. We, we go, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's get into it. Yeah, I think Jesus on the cross gives us a, uh, a really good understanding in, hum, in his God, man, humanity, and God. Why have you forsaken me? Questions to God doesn't overwhelm the Lord. He's not freaking out about his reputation because someone is now deconstructing their faith. Um, And I think what Paul does, going back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says in verse 6, after he says, the Spirit expressly says that many are going to depart, he says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister. And so I think the term is, we need to be good ministers and part of that is teaching true doctrine and being able, but you may not know all of the answers mm-hmm. of a question that's given to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important for us to know the word of God and to dig into some of the real questions that people are asking for ourselves and some of the typical ones. If there's evil in the world, if God is good, why is there evil in the world? And if God is all powerful and God is all good, how can there be evil? If he's all good, he would not have evil, but if he was all powerful, he would eradicate evil because he's all good. Like these are classic questions that go all the way back to Augustine um, and his attempt to answer. And so I think being a good minister, and then I think in, the, in Second Timothy where he talks about 
how the Spirit says that there's going to be, uh, he talks about what it's going to be like for men. So he's speaking about the world during the end times. And he says, but you, Timothy, in other words, now he's speaking to the believer, one of the ways that we can stand in the midst of the deconstruction is that what Paul said to Timothy, we need to continue in the faith. And that's just not what comes out of our mouth. That's the lifestyle that we lead. So if I attach good minister and faith to those and create a, a way to respond, I'm going to live my faith of love and passion. I'm going to live my faith of tenderness. And I'm going to let the kindness of God lead people to repentance, not me telling them you're wrong, this, that, and the other. I'm going to be led the same way God led me, with the kindness of God. Interesting observation, though, um, reading some of the accounts of those who have, have deconstructed their faith. A lot of them are landing. Their landing page is, uh, you know, the main issue or the main goal of life is love. You know, can, can't we all get together? Can't, can't we all love each other? Can't we, you know, when it's all said and done, love rules. And, and the, the, uh, the, 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 the end result of that is to dismiss Mm-hmm. All the other aspects of the Bible that teach God's sovereignty, God is a, a holy and righteous judge who has expectations on his people, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I grant your final comment, which is we need to live that way. But I'm just saying that those who are deconstructing are, are using as their landing pad the most, uh, you know, uh, the most uh, interesting or, or the one that would be most advantageous, which is can't we, can't we just all love each other? Yeah, can can I pick on that for a second? Not pick on it, but... Um, you usually do, but... Yeah, I did. Yeah, I use the word. Um, I have a question about that because I think one of the reasons that, in my opinion, and from things I've read in conversations, one of the things uh, that I think leads people to land in love is it's almost like a safe place. Mm-hmm. And there are things about the Bible that are really difficult to navigate. And it's really difficult to navigate that in a conversation with someone who's coming from a completely different worldview and perspective. But you started off with saying, you know, there are things about the Bible that I don't know and that I don't fully understand. How do you navigate that then to to be a person who takes a stance on something and doesn't just go, well, you know, let's just all love each other, though we should. Um, How do you be a person who takes a stance on something knowing I don't have it all figured out? My expression is always, let God be God. At the end of the day, let God be God. So yes, there are going to be things that I can't articulate, that I can't bring the two ends together, um, or at least not to the satisfaction of everyone. So at at that point, I'm going to default to uh, let let God be God. Let him be sovereign. Let him be in in charge. Let him be in control. So... um, I just think the, 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 the landing pad of can't we all just get together, can't we all just love each, love each other is just too convenient and non-confrontational. And the gospel is by nature confrontational. It is by nature me owning up to the fact that, that my sin has caused a gap between me and God. Yeah, I, I'll say it a different way. I'm not embarrassed of God's heart, direction, and commandments. Amen. And... Um, if God made a direction, I'm not embarrassed by it. If God told the children of Israel to do something that I disagree with, I'm going to trust God. But our culture doesn't start there. And Zach, I love your question. I know we need to get to the next one. But if I could just say one thing, your question is because you have an understanding of the culture. 
And so I think understanding where people are at is just as important. So I don't walk into a conversation saying you have any biblical or Christian background just because I do. And I also go into it, your idea of love is that God embraces everyone and allows them to do whatever they want. Well, that's not even a good parent. So I go into it with a real understanding in that perspective of what the culture is. But real quickly, the last one is, I would say another, not the last one, but another landing pad is a Joshua Harris who's deconstructed his faith. He was a profound author speaker. He wrote the book, Kiss Dating Goodbye. Um, and I, what I have found with those that are deconstructing uh, their faith, they've swallowed a bitter pill from the church. The church has done something that hurt them. And so now the church becomes Jesus and God, but the church is made up of people that Jesus is redeeming. And I think a separation of understanding, okay, that person hurt you, but that's not God. So let's talk about God and his character. That's a great point. So I try to divert that. Yeah. Uh, this next one, Christianity Today came out with a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It's described as the product of months of research and dozens of interviews. This 12-episode series takes you inside Mars Hill from its promising founding to its very public disillusion. I'd love to know your thoughts. You know, Scripture says that when a leader... Uh, finds himself in sin, that they should be publicly exposed. Um, but I want to talk about the context of that now with our social media. It, Paul was writing to the church, speaking about the elder, specifically the teaching elder, that if there was an issue, that they should be publicly rebuked so that the rest of the body can learn. He's speaking to a local church with a local issue. But now we have social media. And with social media, the local church is now global. And we need to make sure, one, that we're careful um, and in regards to this. We're learning lessons from what happened at that church. I appreciate that. But I feel, personally, um, the world is also reading our dirty laundry. And my... I know that there are issues with the pastor, and I know there are issues in that regard, but I would want to learn from the mistakes and take be accountable to what we need to learn from. I just always wonder, how does the world look at these things and as we air our dirty laundry to the entire world? The problem with that is it, it, it could be taken to the point of, of hiding our dirty laundry. I see the perspective. And yeah. if we hide our dirty laundry, we're, we're lacking a sense of accountability and responsibility mm -hmm. towards not only the changing of that, but the, but the telling of it, because it's instructive. It, it has an opportunity to, to help others avoid similar situations. And mm -hmm. in, in our world where pastors or other uh, spiritual leaders tend to take on a, a larger-than-life kind of perspective— and they're, they're often held to, you know, very celebrity kind of status, we, we, we could use some instruction on, on how to care for and protect the, the local body and the, and, the, and the guy who's leading that body. And so having some information that, that is instructive about accountability, about what is the role of an elder board, how should they communicate with the church family, how, how should these things be dealt with, when and how uh, is repentance enough, is there the necessity for, for instructions afterwards. All those topics 
could be instructive to the, to the broader body of Christ. Now, if it goes to the point that it's sensationalism, which is really where I think you're kind of going, which is, you know, the, world, the world's just, you know, gleefully looking at us uh, and, and noticing our, our foibles, that, that's, that's different. I would agree with you. There's no value in that. And my point is there's no helping that in today's world. It will go global because there is no local church. It is a global church. Um, and, and let me give you the personal side of this. Remember, I was the guy that spoke to the world about my senior pastor of a church of 25,000 people letting them know that he fell morally. Um, the repercussions of that in my personal life uh, has been... Um, uh, Substantive. Thank you for the word. I couldn't find it. Um, so it has definitely been, the, there are those pastors that look at me like I sold out, uh, like a fire department. You sold out one of the fire chiefs. Then there's another side of it that says, man, you're a hero for communicating the truth about what God did. And I just think these things have ripple effects that people don't realize and impacts the church one way or the other. And I just really believe that um, God's spirit does a great job of using these situations to help us grow and learn. I just don't know if exposing the dirty laundry of the church to the world is the right way to do that. And I think the heart behind, behind Christianity Today is Sorry, I'm not going to make a judgment. We've got to be careful that we as Christians don't fall into the reality TV show. So this is a reality podcast of a real life story of watching people walk through. And it's, we're learning from it, but it also is attracting into our world of the reality Christian podcast. It's like, let's walk through this realm as a form of almost entertainment. And I want to be careful of that. Yeah, I think there's a tendency of drama is attractive and it becomes the topic of conversation. And so what do you say to someone who's in with their friends and they've heard about this and they want to learn the lesson? Do they talk about it with their friends? Do they not talk about it? Is that gossip because we're talking about something that happened in someone else's life, but we really want to learn from it because we want to learn from the mistakes that the church makes? How does a person navigate that? You or me? My answer would be, I don't think it's gossip if, if we're focusing on lessons to be learned. I think it's gossip if we're into the scintillating details of his life and what happened and how much money it was and what day of the week and was his wife involved and all of those kinds of things. But if we're looking at it from a thematic perspective, which is, you know, who, who was hold, holding whom accountable in what ways were they accountable from a financial standpoint or from a, from a leadership standpoint. I think if your conversation is on those kinds of themes, you're avoiding the, the scintillating aspect of it, you're probably all right. Yeah, and I would say, you know, say Mark Driscoll has started a church and there are many who believe, hey, you haven't recovered from this experience, but you've moved on to that experience. Um, what I want to be careful of is God is working on Mark Driscoll's life. And we've got to be careful as the church that we're not guilty of what we always say the church does. Step on people when they're down. Shoot people from and behind. someone's wounded and we're just... God redeemed the thief on the cross. So 
I've got to believe that Mark Driscoll loves Jesus. I've got to believe that God is God and he's going to do something in Mark Driscoll's life. My own pastor, I've not seen uh, repentance in his life, but I still have hope that there's, going to be, that there's going to be redemption. And I just want to live in God can be God and he can redeem. Mm-hmm. I just don't know sometimes by hashing up all of these things, exposing it to the world, someone comes in contact with Mark Driscoll, he's that guy. He never becomes the thief on the cross. And mm-hmm. I would love for the church to talk about, here are the lessons to be learned, and let's pray for Mark Driscoll. Let's watch God be God in his life. I just think there's a greater balance that can be offered. Amen. Amen. Uh, last question, just real quick. Uh, Pastor Chet, you had mentioned on Sunday in the teaching this past week, the progressive movement. Can you explain that term? Um, yeah, so I was, Sherry actually goes, well, I didn't hear that, but what do you mean? Um, so what we're talking about is the the idea of the cancel culture and how the world is trying to cancel the church through the court system. And so we don't want this to happen, we don't want this to happen, so we're gonna sue. We're gonna, basically, um, whoever has more money is the one that wins because they're willing to go the distance to do accomplish what, accomplish what they want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Our court system, uh, when, sorry if I, I'm quoting the wrong person, Benjamin Franklin, I believe, he used the term judicial tyranny. He was always concerned with the third, uh, the third branch of government that there would be judicial tyranny where the court system could overrule the other two simply because they're the court. We're watching that with some of the context of the church. Um, there are articles about the loss of our 501c3s and we need to be in prep for that and all of this, the, this movement to say we want to move towards complete secularization of our society. And gotcha. the United States wants to go the way of Europe in the sense of let's get rid of God in all facets and forms, and we're doing it through the court system. Got it. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for being here and answering some of those questions.